Welcome back. Episode 26, Process Preparation Performance. I'm Duke. He's Simmons. And we are heading down towards the St. Louis area tonight. We have Coach Blake Markway with us, who is the head football coach at St. Dominic Football. On Twitter, you can find him at SDAll underscore in. It's pretty awesome. Coach came and spoke at our clinic. JR did a fabulous job. He and I have something in common. We like motion. We like, we like to shift people. We like to trade people. We like to gain an advantage however we can. And a quick story, I played college football at Quincy University, who we're actually going to hear from Quincy University in about a week or so. Uh, and one of my teammates was a guy by the name of Jim Welby. Fabulous guy. His brother was also a part of the football program at Quincy. Jim played linebacker with me and I reached out to Jim one day because they were doing something really cool on Twitter. They were, they were putting signs in yards about, you know, uh, future St. Dominic, uh, future, this future, that it it was such a good idea. I said, Jim, I'm going to steal it. And he's like, man, take whatever you want. And I said, by the way, I would love to talk to your head football coach about a clinic we have in mid Missouri, a football clinic, which, We'll get to a little bit later. It's going to be all things football, but baseball and maybe something else, something special. JR, you can tell them about that. And Jim, without missing a beat, I don't know if I should say Mr. Welby because he's like a big-time dude. <laughs> he said, Bill, I'm going to tell you what, Coach Markway is the best hire I have made in my entire life. Teacher, certified staff, non-certified staff, faculty, coach, whatever. He is the best hire I have ever had and coming from Mr. Welby, knowing him and his family and knowing his wife because she went to Quincy as well. Those are high, high words. So I can't wait for this interview, but welcome coach Markway. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks Bill for having me on. And, uh, and, uh, I'm very, um, you know, uh, flattered by what Mr. Welby said. And as you know, I've talked before too, you know, just a tremendous amount of respect for him as uh, an administrator and as a man, as a father, I mean, he's just, he's a great representative of our school and I'm proud to work for him. Awesome. JR, big stuff happening here in Missouri. Whether you agree, disagree, and we might get into a little of this, there is now the possibility of a spring sport, fall sports season. And I know you're a baseball guy. I know there's some stuff going on. I know you're a baseball guy, but there's a possibility that you might get to September 11th. That appears to be the magic date, 9-11. Don't know that we should use that date, but okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, that you could say, I want to flip and play my fall sport in the spring. Good, bad, or indifferent. That came out this week. We might ask Coach Markway what he thinks uh, based on the fact that he's, you know, he sits on a higher table than we do. Uh, but also, some other big stuff going on. People are going back to school, JR, across the nation. And I listen to the news once a day, and I listen on my eight-minute commute to work, okay? I listen <laughs> that to you don't drive on. That I don't drive. My Tesla, <laughs> my Tesla drives me to work. I'm so happy. Um, I, I listen to the ABC News, and I hear schools opening up and shutting down, some within hours, some within days. And we have a feeling that it's not a matter of if, but when we get shut down. But some schools are going back as early as tomorrow, 100% in person, different options. It seems like there's not a general consensus. But JR, I'm going to ask you this before we get into the interview. You're an educator, been in education a long time. 
do you agree? Is it a matter of not if, but when, or do you think we're going to make it through a semester? <laughs> he, he didn't know I was going to ask him this coach. He had no idea. <laughs> you just asked the million dollar question right there. And I don't think anybody's got the answer to that. So it, personally, I hope we make it. I mean, it's uh, be a lot better than uh, the alternative, you know, but uh, I don't know. Um, I'm thinking maybe two, three weeks. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, I don't know what uh, Coach can kind of tell us what St. Dominic's kind of looking at, but I know we just start our kind of meetings tomorrow. So as you're listening to this tomorrow, we'll be doing it then to where we start school the next week to where we're basically planning on going from an in-seat experience slash hybrid to all virtual and be prepared for that within X amount of time, you know, so we're basically doing a little bit of, uh, of double work on from that standpoint. So I don't know. That's the million dollar question. I'll tell you what's funny though, is me and you have on the same shirt. We do. And we, we did do. not plan this. Didn't happen coach. You I know, promise I, you it didn't happen coach. It's I just promise. funny. Great minds, great minds, yeah, right there, uh, great right minds right think alike. So. But JR, I'm glad you brought up the shirt because if you're on the podcast, you're going to get one of these things. Yes. So coach, you will coach work with this. This is coming down to St. Dominic. I don't, I don't think we could deliver it in person. We'll probably put it in the mail. <laughs> that um, sounds great. <laughs> but so at some point we're going to get your t-shirt size and recommendation. JR, I'm going to kick this thing off. Go for it. Um, Coach Markway, your resume is impressive, man. Your resume, your bio is incredible. To just list off a few of the places in our past have actually crossed a little bit. I didn't even know that. They crossed yeah. a little bit. 19 years coaching varsity football. Been in North Callaway. You've been at Mizzou, Eldon, Waynesboro, Warsaw, and now St. Dominic. 19 years coaching varsity football. It's incredible. And I want to start with the first question. It, it's kind of a loaded question, you know, but it, it is that question because you've been doing it a while and you're not that old of a guy. You're clearly the youngest out of all three of us. Okay. After 19 years, what, what would you like to tell your younger self if you had a chance to write a note do whatever, back to the future, hit 88 miles per hour in the DeLorean, whatever it may be, what would you tell yourself that you wish you would have knew then that you know now? I would say patience. Um, you know, I, I'm not that old. Uh, I'm old, but not that old, I guess, for the 19 years. Um, when I uh, got out of high school, I was actually coaching within a week of graduating from high school. Um, my head football wow. coach was a, a huge mentor in my life and I met a lot as Tom Gramatis. Um, who was my head coach at Clinton High School, and he used to be head coach at Montgomery County. And so whenever I was going off to Mizzou school and I wasn't going to be playing football, I, I knew for years I wanted to be a, a high school football coach. He got me um, connected with Mike Emmons at North Callaway. And so whenever I was 18, I got the opportunity to go ahead and start working with the varsity football team while I was at Mizzou. And, and then I started working with the strength staff at Mizzou and going back and forth between those two schools and two opportunities. Um, after my second season, so I was 19 going on 20, uh, Mike had enough faith in me making, uh, to make me his defensive coordinator at North Calway. So I got a great opportunity at a really young age, and we ended up winning the district championship that year and had a great season. And, and I think at that point, you know, you, you start, you're young, you're naive, and you think, 
um, you know, you start to understand schemes and things like this and stuff about the game of football, um, but you don't understand how much goes into it at the administrative level and the patience that that takes, um, you know, working with the community, working with administration, families, and everything else. And, you know, you're just young and gung-ho. And so I can remember interviewing for several head coaching jobs age 22, 23, 24, you know, and, and being finalists in, in many of them. And thank goodness um, I didn't get that first head coaching job until I had the opportunity to work under some more great coaches. You know, four years under a Hall of Famer, Mike Emmons is great, but I also learned just as much in some of those losing seasons after that as I went to some other schools. That, and I felt that was very important for me in my career was, you know, Mike had established that program for two decades, you know, and it was, it was full speed ahead. And then I took two jobs that were at programs that had gone winless the previous two seasons and, and to learn what it's like to kind of take over program with those young head coaches working under, um, you know, just to go back and say, you know, Blake, be patient, be patient. The opportunity will come when it's the right fit, when it's the right time to have faith that, it, that it's going to come at the right time but soak in everything, no matter if it's a winning season or a losing season. As I said, I've learned just as much, if not more, from those losing seasons than the winning seasons. You know, Bill mentioned that you'd worked up at the University of Missouri, and Dr. Pat Ivey had written us an article a couple of years ago when we first started out the business just about core lifts. And I'm curious, what was the biggest takeaway you got from either the experience at Mizzou or working with Pat Ivey or just around college-level athletes? Yeah, so, you know, knowing that I wanted to coach at the high school level, that was an important um, opportunity for me to get. I, I wrote the Mizzou strength staff all throughout my freshman year in college to eventually Jeff Fish, who was the head strength coach at the time, um, allowed me to come in one day, and, and before you know it, I was there for the next two seasons. And uh, he left to take the head coaching job uh, with the Oakland Raiders to become their head strength coach, and that's when Pat Ivey came in. Um, you know, I learned a ton under Coach Fish. Um, like you said, uh, Coach Ivey talked about core lifts and the fundamentals and designing the program. And I learned just as much under Coach Ivey. Um, but what Ivey really sold me, and, and I say this all the time, I've been, I've been so blessed to work with some great coaches. Nobody probably had more of an influence on my life as a coach on the treatment of the whole player. You know, when you talk about the social, mental, emotional uh, then Dr. Not Coach Ivy, more Dr. Ivy now, um, and what he meant to those players' lives. You know, I remember the first meeting he had with us was, you know, these players uh, don't care what you know until they know that you care, and, and that was his whole philosophy and everything he did. And he walked it. He lived it. Um, we went from, um, you know, my first season working with Mizzou where we were, we were scrubbing down machines late the night, you know, up there at 4 a.m. in the morning, and Coach Ivy was all about family. He didn't want to see you after 6 p.m. He wanted you to go and be with your family and have that in a part of your life. Um, and that's not to say that their coaches didn't care about that, but he really made it a priority. And so as much stuff as you can learn about kinesiology and, and the science and exercise science from Coach Ivy, uh, you know, he taught me much more as a coach on how you work with people and how you treat people in that atmosphere of a highly competitive program. From a lifting standpoint, what would you say, Coach Fish, Dr. Ivy, what was their number one priority? As far as a lifting program? Yeah. I think the focus on, you know, making sure that whatever you did in that program, the weight training program, was going to translate to the field. Um, so not only did I work with the football program, actually, I worked with the football program for almost that whole first season with Coach Fish. And when Coach Fish took the Raiders job, he took one assistant with him, Coach Hewan. 
and that opened up the wrestling position. So before okay. Coach Ivy came in from Tulsa, before he knew it, I was working football, and then I was also doing uh, golf, track, wrestling, <laughs> and bouncing wow. all around the programs, a little bit of baseball in there as well. And so I got, really got to learn overall, like how you can be specific to the, the sport, you know, and what you're trying to do in the weight room to translate to it. But at the same time, understand that I was gonna be a high school coach. That's really all I really aspired and wanted to do that I needed to find a way through working with all these programs to be able to train multi-sport athletes. And so I tell our football players when they come in and any athlete that comes into our, our program and wants to lift weights off, coaches reach out to me, different sports say, can you design a program for this? I said, I've worked for, you know, at this point almost 20 years of designing a program that can fit the multi-sport athlete. And a lot of those are things that I pulled from Coach Ivy and Coach Fish. That's that's awesome. And just so you know, uh, Doctor, I'm sorry, Mr. Jim Welby has uh, reached out to me, and he has some questions for you at the end of the show. He already sent them to me, so we're going to see how those goes. They're easy. I've already read them. They're easy, but we are going to put you on the spot just a little bit. Yeah, I do have to apologize for my voice a little bit too in this. So uh, the social distance practices, you got a hundred players spread out across the field. <laughs> And we and we always we always play music for grass. I've done that music and buzzers and everything's down to the second on practice schedule. That's probably my OCD. But with that, when you're trying to yell across the social distance practice for six days, this is what happens by the end of it. <laughs> oh, that's all right, man. No worries. We all understand it. And we've been there countless times. And as a matter of fact, when it happens, you kind of enjoy it because it it triggers some things you've been thinking about and maybe some things you want to highlight. So at this point in time. You know, you were at Warsaw, our paths crossed there. I didn't know it. You didn't know it. I, I saw it in your bio. And now since 2014, I believe you've been the head coach at St. Dominic High School. Yep. So my question to you, why St. Dominic? So I've been at Warsaw for six years, and I really enjoy the community. Me and my wife are both from Clinton, Missouri, which is just on the other side of Truman Lake from Warsaw. And we live in Clinton. And we had our first daughter there. And so that really was home. Um, but I grew up in Catholic education. I didn't have an opportunity to go to a Catholic high school um, coming out of um, Holy Rosary is where I went to in Clinton. Um, the nearest one was really Rockers. I had a couple of my friends from my class um, and moved Kansas City to Rockers. But, um, you know, at that point, I think I'd been in public education for about 10 years. And just honestly, personal, it was, I feel there's a calling, there's something missing that I needed. And so when I saw the St. Dominic position open up, I happened to have my sister-in-law and brother-in-law live um, near there. Um, my wife's sister moved to St. Louis after she graduated from college, even though we were all from Clinton. And so we took an opportunity. We, we uh, applied for the job. I went and uh, we talked about Jim Welby. I still remember my little one-year-old daughter walking the halls of St. Dominic for my interview. And, and I'm going to say this. So I interviewed for the position. And this, this speaks a little bit about Mr. Welby. So I interviewed for the position in front of some parents and players and, and Mr. Welby, who's athletic director at the time, or president Kathy Fetter, who's amazing, and, uh, and Janet Eden, our principal. And it was supposed to be, you know, uh, um, that was the first round of interviews and you get to a second round. When I was walking out to my car, Mr. Welby came and found me and he said, hey, I know it's a long drive. It's about three and a half hours from Clinton. And he said, you got your family here. Go get lunch. Come back. Let's do the second interview right there. Basically, I want your family to see the campus. That's part of the second interview was seeing the campus and going around, you know. And right then I could tell that he cared about people. So back to that Coach Ivy thing I talked about, you know, um, you want to be competitive and be a program, but you also want to treat people first. 
And that meant a lot, just that little part of that. You know, I could tell that there was something to it. And uh, so he offered me the position a couple of weeks later. And, you know, we prayed about it. And it's been the best decision of my professional life, without a doubt. Very cool. It's amazing how you run into just genuine people sometimes. Absolutely. And, and I, don't, I don't know him, you know, but the way Bill and you are talking about him, I mean, he's somebody that is just a genuinely good person. And yep. those, are, those are hard to find. That's, that's for sure. I was reading through your bio as well, and you talked about how you've been able to increase the participation of the program. And football's been under a lot of different attacks on safety and, and other issues, you know, that people have with sometimes sending their kids out to play it. And what do you think can be attributed to that increase? I think you said in 2014, you guys have 58 kids. Now yep. you're darn near pushing triple digits, which yep. is a massive increase. Yeah, so, it, you know, I think, again, uh, you talk about being genuine and, and uh, we brought in coaches. Um, I've been very blessed to work with some awesome coaches at St. Donald that we brought in. And the big thing is, you know, how you treat the players, you know, and, and that being a positive coach. And that doesn't mean you don't get after them. I mean, we've got some coaches that, that will flat out get after the players that mean the best. But, you know, those coaches also former head coaches that are retired and um, they understand that, you know, if you're going to come down hard on a player, you're going to love them up. And the players have to know that you have your best interest in mind when, when all said and done. Our kids just want to be a part of something. That's the other thing, too, is it's like, you know, football is not a cut sport. We're very clear in the expectations of our program. We build high, very high expectations for commitment in the weight room and year-round. And, you know, our families are just amazing in that. The dedication they give and the parent involvement um, is, is really just a special community. Uh, so I think just surrounding uh, myself with good coaches that, that again, are all on the same mission and, and success isn't defined by winning for us. I told this to my parents yesterday at our parent meeting, I said, you know how awesome it is? We had our blue-white scrimmage yesterday. Okay. I said, this is amazing. We had a freshman scrimmage, our blue-white scrimmage. It was all freshman versus freshman. And then we wow. had a sophomore scrimmage. It was all sophomore. We didn't have a quarterback playing DN or a wide receiver here coming and seven play a linebacker because we wanted to play. It was a true sophomore versus sophomore scrimmage. Wow. And then we had a varsity scrimmage that was made up of all juniors and seniors and one sophomore. That's it, uh, our return run back uh, that was a freshman last year. And I said, that is unbelievable to be able to do these blue-white scrimmages and not throw pennies around to people and trading and, hey, let's pull mm -hmm. a baby guy over here and get him in over his head. I said, but that, that's a tribute to the community and everybody that's bought in and they see that we're doing great stuff. And I, I said, to me, that's success. And I said, at the end of the day, you know, we're going to play some good football, but this is successful because kids want to be a part of something, you know, and that means that we're doing something right. Um, you know, with the other two, it's funny that you talk about participation dropping in other areas and stuff. So I got a call, I think it was two off seasons ago. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to mention paper or anything like this, but the story was about the lack of, um, of lower level uh, teams around the area, you know, yeah. because it is, it's hard scheduling when you have mm -hmm. a freshman team and a JV team and varsity team, we always have to tell our freshman parents, you know, be patient about the schedule coming out because, you know, we're unique. None of the teams on our regular season schedule generally don't have two levels of teams. And so I took this phone call and they're doing a story about lack of participation in lower teams. And I said, well, I said, four of our last five freshman classes have been over 30 players. 
you know, we had this and, and it was almost like, a, oh, well, never mind. You know, they didn't want to do that story. <laughs> that, that, didn't, that didn't fit the narrative on that one. And so I'm just extremely proud. I, you know, you talked about some great things that we've done um, in our program with wins and, and whatnot. But more than anything, I'm just proud that kids want to be a part of it and families want to be a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, you got about 850 kids in the school, save 400 of them are male over a hundred kids participating, 25% of the male population doing that. That doesn't even count the other fall sports that are going on. Yeah. Our soccer program is pretty dang good at St. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so, it's an unbelievable soccer program. So to be able right. to pull out those numbers and the uh, very high level and really all of our sports there, uh, it's, it's just great for a whole athletic program. So being that, JR and I don't shy away from letting people talk about their faith. And we've had head coach from Vianney on, Brian Kula, and a lot of people who have actually answered this question. I'm going to ask you now, favorite Bible verse. Ooh, put me on the spot here. I did. I did. It's okay. And I'll go first. Um, I have, I have a big whiteboard just to my right. And on the top of the whiteboard, it says two Thessalonians three ten. Those unwilling to work shall not eat. And then right above it, it says Philippians 4.13, which a lot of people know. A lot of people don't know that two Thessalonians. I was actually going yeah, to say the last one. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's on the bottom of the yeah. ready shoot. That's on the bottom of the ready shoot. I sent out yesterday for a blue-white scrimmage, actually. Nice, nice. So how much does – and this is a question that I've always this – is, this is something I've always wondered myself and you're going to be the perfect guy to answer it because you've been there for, you know, six years now or so. How much does faith come into the program? I think that's a big question in my mind because, JR, you and I have been around some programs, public school programs, that will say, yes, we do pray before games. And others of them will say, no, we don't. Because right. we, we don't want to seem like we're pushing anything on there. At a faith-based school, and I'm Catholic too, so at a faith-based school, how much does that play a part? How much does that come into the program, things you talk about, things you do, um, any of that? Well, it's, I mean, it's huge because I tell our we don't have a rule book. You know, I don't have 30 pages to tell you what to do and not do. You know, <laughs> our, our faith is what guides us uh, really in that. And, and one of the things, again, going back to Dr. Ivy, you know, as we say, do the right thing, do things right. And that's about as simple as a rule book gets. But the idea that then you can translate that into your faith and understand you know, all the things that should guide us in our program. And we've, throughout the week, just give you an idea of some of the things that we do. So we always do Friday morning chapel check-in, and we do a team prayer every Friday morning. At the end of the game on Friday night, this was something I started in 2014. Um, just a little backstory on it. We, we got beat by Borgia, outstanding program, 35 nothing. I remember my first season there. And at the end of the game, all the players went, and they ran to the crowd, and they're jumping up and down the crowd. And I thought, what in the world is this? You know, well, they go, it was tradition. You know, that, that's what they said. Tradition. tradition after you lose, you go, you know, run in the stands and jump up and down and have a party. And they said, well, that's that's what we do here. I said, well, I ain't doing it anymore. And so I said, uh, and that, that ruffled some feathers, you know. Your first year, you just got to do things and get away with it. 
hopefully it'll give you another year. But you got to right. uh, you got to set some precedent there. I said, well, we're not. We're getting rid of that tradition. I said, and I got a little backlash on that from some parents that you know that uh, sibling stuff go through there. And I said, well, this is a, a great opportunity at a faith-based school. And to me, again, coming from ten years of public school, where I thought we could do an opportunity to really do something together as a community after the game win or lose that wasn't jumping up and down celebrating and that was we would call all our families to the field after we talked to our team mm -hmm. about five minutes you know coach said we call all of our families down from the stands we group up in a huge large huddle and we say a prayer day we say the saint dominic blessing at the end win or lose doesn't matter and then we can hug and everything with our families and it really kind of brings that calm that's the big thing too you know you said what well, i told myself 19 years ago you know not just patience but you know, really, really lean on your faith. I mean, you're going to have such highs and lows in this career. And I'm not just talking about coaching. You know, I'm talking about education and and the things you see with with children, schools, and strategies and stuff they go to. Just really lean on your faith as your guide. And and so when you come out of game, win or lose, boy, is that not just a, a great thing to do for a community? It's just pray together and and then it's just like moving on. You know, like this is why we're here. This this is why we're at this school together. And then that's just become our new tradition. See, so you talk about tradition. It's plastered every pamphlet that uh, St. Dominic sends out. And I've got a huge photo in my office of us all there. I grouped up together in team prayer. I will say it ruffles maybe a little bit of feathers if they don't know what's going on in away games. When we go to the corner ends up, we try to go as far away as we can. Or yeah. else on the track, and we still bring the families down and pray there at away games as well. Now, Coach, you mentioned you had been at Warsaw. Here, here's a great question for you. I want to know who in the world designed that press box. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my, my former offense coordinator, Nate Steenberg, and he's pretty handy. All those Steenbergens went through there. No, I, I don't is know he a I, deer hunter? Is, is he a hunter? Yeah. Because I heard it, it's like a it's like a deer stand. Yeah, it's it is. It's something special. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about the little uh, the little wooden one that looks. Oh like the, yes. The bottom yeah. of Grandma's house with the little yeah. crosses in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was that was an experience. Coach Duke was lucky. He always got to stand on the sideline. But for all of us <laughs> up there with all the tech equipment, that whole thing shifted at one yeah. point, and we thought we were we were going over backwards <laughs> about thirty feet. <laughs> So it was – I figured I'd throw that one in there real quick. No offense to anybody more, so I just – Oh. I can give them some design ideas if they listen to the podcast. I got, I got a couple ideas. <laughs> nice. So, so, Coach, I got uh, – I'm going to try not to make this a loaded question. Which, All right. Which might no, be do hard. it. Do it, JR. Go. <laughs> but you serve on the MISHA Advisory Committee. Yes. And, and I'm sure that's been one heck of a challenging experience this year. But – you can kind of answer it as overall, how has that experience been? Or if you want to tailor it more towards this year, whatever, whatever you want to go with is good with me. Well, I mean, obviously this year will be, is the most interesting. Um, I, I have, this will be my fourth year. So you serve four year terms. So this will be my um, last year on it uh, coming up this December. Um, but it's been a great experience. You know, I, I, I love high school football. I love uh, Missouri high school football. I coached one year in Virginia and missed the heck out of, of Missouri and came back. And, um, you know, it was just an opportunity in my mind to, to contribute and help be a voice for our area. And what was really cool is, you know, I'm, I'm not from St. Louis area. I'm from Clinton, Missouri, Truman Lake area. And to be over here for a few years and, and uh, make the professional relationships I have with these great coaches in St. Louis area with some awesome football, that, that's been a great experience too, just to get to know them a little bit more through the advisory committee and try to be a voice um, for them when we go up to those mission meetings. 
Um, you know, there's just been different things that come out of it, whether it be the classifications, uh, how they've kind of changed the private classifications yeah. with the, the point systems. All that's been so interesting to be a part of and, and kind of see a little bit um, behind the scenes of what the thinking is. And, and that's a big part of it, too, is, you know, you get these announcements from Misha and some people um, you know, will fire off their opinion on it and whatnot. And, and I don't think they understand, you know, really how much detail and thought um, that goes into everything, not just, I mean, they look at it as a, a rule or why we're breaking these classifications. But they don't look into everything like venue contracts and things like that that impact lies to decisions that are made. You know, the change of Mizzou from the Big 12 to the SEC and then what that did with their schedule and how it impacts state championship schedules. I mean, there's just so many moving parts to it that have been really neat to be a part of. What do you think was the toughest decision or maybe the toughest problem that you've seen come up in the four years other than COVID? Other than COVID, I would say probably the, the classification. Um, two things with that, the, the late district announcement and then the reasoning behind it, which was, I think, very warranted. You know, people um, got upset a little bit when they found out, well, we're not going to learn our districts until, you know, almost first week of the season. But that was because of these teams falling and going eight man and everything else. And, and really, I mean, what impact does it make? I mean, let's, let's be real. You're, you can set your scouting schedules pretty quickly off that. Yeah. So I don't feel like that's a big deal. Um, the other thing, again, is um, when they decide, what are we going to do with the private schools? And, and then the interesting thing, too, is I'm the only private school coach um, right now serving on the Mission Advisory Board. And we know this private school football is really big in St. Louis. There's more in that area mm -hmm. than any other area. Yeah. So kind of seeing what a big deal that was uh, as a private school coach in St. Louis, and then really the opinions of the rest of the state on it. And there's all sorts of things that were being talked about and how they were going to do it. You know, the 2.0 multiplier, the 1.35, uh, the championship factor. And uh, I'm really, really happy with the decision that Mr. made. I think, you know, you, you win championships, you improve as a team. Um, you know, the multiplier is kind of balanced out by that. Then you should go up in classes and compete at that level. So um, I'm a strong believer in what decision they came to. Um, I, I think it's good for all sports. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, there there's some decisions that have to be made. Like, for example, if – you know, you want to tell them either JR and I won, we're happy to serve on that advisory committee. I don't know if, if you, if you can, if you could pick your successor, but I don't know if you got to be a head coach, neither of us are, oh, but I mean, we definitely have ideas. So, I mean, just, just throwing it out there, just All a right. little, a little, little out there. Um, you know, it's unique. I don't want to get on Misha too much, but I do want to ask a couple of things. It's unique in the sense that Jar and I have talked about this, we would like somebody to just make a decision and stick with it. Whether it's good or bad, whether people argue or they love it, whatever, you're never gonna please anybody. But if you make a decision and stick with it, you know us as coaches, we're kind of regimented, right? Yeah. It's like, it's, um, what did Coach Steiny say, Jr. It's a race to Friday, right? Yeah. It's, it's a race to Friday and we're like on this path, like we're trying to fit these things in. And um, so I think sometimes making a decision, I'll be honest, I'll take my soapbox here. I didn't like the fact they got rid of grade requirements. I thought that was a little, little awkward. Um, I don't know if that's for the whole year. Is it just for the fall sports? I have no idea. Uh, but I didn't like that they did that. I thought we should have, you know, maybe focused on that, but I'm not, this is not the time nor place. I do want to ask a question, though, that seems mm -hmm. to come up every year. 
when they count enrollment, some people say they don't count your senior class. They only count freshman through sophomore or freshman through junior. But then I've been a part of a school board before, knew exactly how many students were in the high school. And when I see the number come out for Misha, it's the exact same number of the total kids we have, 9 through 12. So what is the true answer? Is it just no seniors? Is it 9 through 12? What is it? And the way I understand it, uh, no seniors is 9 through 11 is what you're reporting there in the spring. I mean, that's my understanding. And that's, that's not necessarily something we deal with on the advisory uh, committee, though. I'll be honest with you. Uh, when Good. we talk about advisory committee, it's really specific to football. You know, yeah. you're getting into bylaws and everything else on that. So that's really not our role. But the way I've understand from any administration I've talked to is 9 through 11. Fair enough. Fair enough. It comes up all the time. They're like, how many does this school have? How many does that have? And for us in mid-Missouri, you know, when they split and had two high schools, now it's, um, now it's more of a thing. Like, are we going to come out of six? Will we come down into right. five? Where will we go? And, well, and this, this will be interesting. I mean, everything's interesting this year. It's, it's just crazy, <laughs> but you know, the transfers and everything else and how it affects our enrollment, you know, mm-hmm. Are we still going off of spring enrollment? And if you do, you know, if if you're a school that's open and you're getting a lot of transfers in, you know, what does that do to your enrollment? How much of a class would that have impacted? I mean, or right. how many yeah. how many elect for the spring and how many does it drop you down? Right. And now, are you going to see a class potentially that has Web City, Carthage, Joplin, Jeff City? Um, Liberty North, are you going to see a class that has all of these schools who people have said, let's see how Webb does at five or six. Let's get mm-hmm. them out of four and see how they do. Because you know John Rodriguez is coming with split-back veer. I mean, that ain't no Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. That's not even a question, and that's not yeah. me picking on it. I think it's awesome. I love split-back veer. So to get into a little bit of football, first question for Mr. Welby, why the RPO? Why the RPO? So He's, um, he said, he said, you are a huge RPO guy and you could talk for days <laughs> on this topic. He's like, so get him talking about RPOs. Yeah. I don't know. That's funny too, because uh, yeah, I started off in the wing T with uh, Mike Emmons and I was going to be a wing T guy whenever I was head coach and then, uh, you know, go to Warsaw and it was all of your game, triple option. We did, you know, coach, Coach Marl was split back, but we did pistol. Tom Gramados is our offense coordinator, who's my coach in high school, and, and he did a great triple option on that. And then so that was going to be my thing. We did that a little bit. Uh, but, you know, when I became a head coach, I hired great assistant coaches and, um, and kind of gave them the keys to offense. So we were – we really sold out to the zone uh, when I got to St. Dominic, and we hired Jim Schottmiller as our offensive line coach and uh, actually former Mizzou great basketball and football player Justin Gage was my very first hire. I made it at St. Dominic, and uh, I let him call the offense in. So him working with Coach Schottmiller really went to this high pro scheme. Um, but as the years went on, and I started – I'm a data guy, and Mr. Welby can tell you that, like, I'm all about data. So as I went through these numbers and looked at the <laughs> confidence and opponents and efficiency, uh, I knew we had to give ourselves a little bit of an edge, something that's when we started mixing in the shifts and motions in the RPO game. Um, Coach Bethany does a great job with the RPOs at St. Mary's and at Lindenwood. And so I can see that firsthand and seeing what a, a, a problem it could give defenses. I said, you know, we could do a lot with this, with really not changing anything with the blocking schemes, just better tags. And then before you know it, the, the guy that was probably as old school as it gets was doing all the RPOs over the last couple of years. And, and a lot of that's Jimmy's and Joe's. 
you know, or we, we're blessed with some really, really good players right now um, and a lot of great underclassmen. And so it's one of those things where you feel like this really suits um, our personnel for years to come. Awesome. Mr. Welby, you got question one, but there is a question two for Mr. Welby. And this one's going to be a little bit more fun, I think. He wants to know what it's like raising three girls while trying to coach football. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you, what, it was an interesting spring when, when school shut down. I had all three of them. Uh, my youngest, Scarlett, was born the, the day before we played handball in the, in the district semifinals. And so uh, I'll blame my bad punt, uh, fake punt call on a lack of sleep <laughs> in that game in the third quarter. But uh, uh, it is uh, – I'll tell you what, it was great to be able to spend a lot more time with them than you generally would because I'm also a head track coach. So getting that time with Scarlett, my youngest, in the spring was awesome. And this summer, um, you know, getting babysitters was a little bit tough for all the girls. We were able to get my youngest um, into a daycare, but the other two girls are seven and five. And I remember I mentioned Nate Steenbergen before, who was our offense coordinator, longtime player at Warsaw. He used to come to practice with his five boys hanging off of his shoulders and then his daughter and everything else. I thought, you think, how in the world can you do that? And now that's me. You know, my, my girls come to all the practices with us over the summer, and uh, they're old enough to, to handle it pretty good. And, and it's fun. You know, the players, we got awesome players that will, that will play it up with them. We'll do races at the end of practice. And before you know, I got players challenging Coco and Maddie to race each other. Uh, and so it's, uh, it is truly a family atmosphere, and it's just nice to have the family around it. Awesome. You mentioned a couple names that uh, that I recognize there really quick. Justin Gage obviously played at Jeff City. Yeah. And we've actually got a suite in the, the press box named after him, which has got a lot of pictures from his time at Mizzou and the Bears and some various other places, uh, you know, that he played. And then you mentioned uh, Schottenmuller. One of the – we moved to Jeff City. My dad was a highway patrolman. He was the head of the bomb squad. And we moved here in 1986. And Why has he not been on the podcast, Jr.? Why has that kind of been? Yeah, to talk about bombs. I mean, bomb squad. Really? I mean, like he should be on. I told my dad he ought to write a book someday. The the amount of stuff that he's done. He worked at Troop C down in St. Louis, and then he actually went and worked for the U.S. State Department. Flew all over the world, did security stuff for embassies. Unbelievable. But we get back on topic here. But anyway, um, 1988 state championship game was first championship game that we went to with Jeff City and we're playing McClure and uh, the North Stars and Sean Miller was the coach and yeah. I know it didn't turn out real good for him that day because that was about the time Jeff City just went four out of five years and was just annihilating everybody but it's funny how it's just such a small circle sometimes yeah and how that and how that works so it's uh it's just amazing Coach, at this point, do you want to uh, you want to kind of shout out anybody, the staff, the players? Uh, you got the floor. Take about however long you want. Well, I mean, I've already mentioned a lot of people in this. Uh, you know, our families. Number one, uh, you know, go back again, nineteen years. We tell your younger self, and it's you know, it's. Uh, there's something to it being the right fit. You know, you've got, it's not just being the best candidate for that job. It's that job also being the best for you. And I really feel like I said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not from St. Louis area. I'm from Lake the Ozarks area, Truman Lake. And uh, if you say what's home to me now, this is home. And when I say home, it's not O'Fallon, Missouri or St. Peter's. I don't know. My trash says St. Peter's. My uh, <laughs> uh, heater says uh, O'Fallon. So I don't really know what city I live. 
the St. Dominic is my community, you know, and, and it's, it's been so big because of the family's administration, like Mr. Welby. Um, another person that, that I'd give a shout out to, I mentioned uh, Kathy Fetter, um, who was a president that, that hired me as a teacher and coach as well. Now she's the assistant superintendent for the Archdiocese, um, just an amazing leader herself. Um, but Kevin Roberts, Kevin Roberts was our head basketball coach that got hired um, the first year that I came to St. Dominic in 2014. And he was the freshman and sophomore guidance coordinator and I taught history. And uh, he became the, the AD at the cement at the end of the year, went there. Um, and so he recommended me for his position as freshman sophomore guys coordinator. And then a few years later, now he's back as our athletic director since Mr. Welby moved up to become president. And uh, Kevin's now our athletic director and head basketball coach at this one district championship this year. Has uh, done an awesome job with that program. But, you know, to work for people like him and Mr. Welby and, and Coach Roberts in basketball where a lot of sports um, or a lot of football coaches come in, they say, oh, you know, can't really get the basketball coach on board with lifting and multi-sport athletes and all that. Coach Roberts is great about that. My first year there in 2014, um, he let those players come in because we had established that weight program. And that was number one, you know, for development. Um, at that point, 80% of our players that came to our program had not played football before St. Dominic. And that holds, it's, it's about 60 now because uh, we got some kids coming in through junior crusaders. But, you know, it was so big of a, to get that strength and condition development going. And without him, I don't know if we would have really got a role after that first year. The, uh, my second season at St. Dominic, we were able to go to district championship for the first time in school history. And that doesn't happen without the basketball coach getting on board. Um, mm -hmm. uh, another shout out would be Coach Keller, our, um, our soccer coach. You know, I, I never coached at a school that had soccer besides out in Virginia. And soccer's in the opposite season. You know, our, our nose guard. Javier Martinez was a stud soccer player. He's also a stud nose guard for us. Um, and uh, my my thinking was always that, well, football and, and soccer, you know, the butt heads and everything, having to share fields, share season, you know, how much you share athletes, I don't know. Um, we've got some good ones that were that had been soccer players in the past prior to high school. But, you know, he's been great to work with. With soccer, kids have been awesome. They come to our games, and, and they're some of our biggest fans. And we encourage our kids to go to them. Um, and so just really blessed to work with some great coaches and leaders, not only in our school administration, but in athletic administration and across our, our coaches. I mentioned our coaching staff, um, Jim Schottmuller, our line coach, Scott Fulton, um, was head coach for everything about 10 years over at Zumwalt South. And then when he retired um, in 2017, he's been over here since. And him and Coach Schottmuller co-coordinate our defense together. Um, Jake Hogan. Um, young coach came over from um, Lutheran South on their big semifinal run they went to a few years ago under Jameson Allen. Um, he coaches our quarterbacks and, and uh, our safeties. Um, Max Bucks, uh, another really good young coach had gone on staff. And Caleb Yarbrough, um, this is his first year on staff that uh, he was a former player for Coach Schottmuller on those McCord North teams, uh, uh, inside linebacker, running back. And so we've got him on staff now too. So there's quite a few connections really with Coach Schottmuller and that McCord North group that's yeah. come over throughout the time and so again just surrounding myself with great people you know not just great coaches but great people uh, that are honest and sincere with the kids and genuine and again that's that's one of the reasons we've been able to increase our numbers and then I can't say enough about our kids uh you go back to the faith aspect of it um one of the things I really want to do and I take a lot of pride in is uh our relationship with our players and just them knowing that we care you know people always ask as a coach, you know, do you want to be respected? Do you want to be feared? Do you want to be liked? You know, that's the whole thing. And, that, and I tell our players that I said, you know, that people always ask you that as a coach. I said, all I care about is that 
you know that I care about you and I know that you care about me. Because if we care about each other, then you're willing to go the extra mile for each other, you're, you know, and, and that trust is there, that dedication, the commitment to the program. And so really that's my focus is that we got people that truly care about one another. And uh, I'm just unbelievably privileged and blessed to be with the 99 kids that we have in our program right now. And the faith part of it is, um, you know, our kids, our junior year, they go on a, what's called Kairos retreat. Um, it's an overnight retreat for a couple nights and you're allowed to write letters to them. And every now and again, a parent will ask me, Hey, will you write uh, a letter to Billy, you know, for this Kairos retreat? And uh, what they probably don't know is I write a letter to every single kid that goes on the Kairos retreat. That's our wow. football program. I feel like that's a monumental uh, moment in their faith life. And I, then the first line I tell every kid, I said, you know, me being with you has only increased my faith. It's only made me a better person. Like that's one thing that's about coming to St. Don to come to Catholic school was I need them just as much to lead me in my faith as they're looking for leadership in their faith and just to be around good people like them. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I can see why I could see why you have 99 kids on the team coach. It's not, it's not hard to see. It's increasingly evident. Um, I love it. I really do. I love it. Um, who's week one. Who do you guys have first week? St. Charles West. It's, it's always great. To, you know, what's great. You talk about the um, web city and the veer is when you have a wishbone yep. week one, and the rest of the season are going to see a spread. And it's like you got to prepare for wishbone for weeks. And at the same time, make sure your kids aren't locked into it. It's like, hey, by the way, after this game's over, you're never going to see it again the rest of the season. So, yeah, you know, you right. want that fine line and scout cards and preparations at this point, not to just overload them with nothing but wishbone plays. Who's yeah. the rival for St. Dominic? Who's the number one rival? Oh, that's interesting to say. Yeah, so it was Duchenne. At least that's what I was told when, when I got here was Duchenne was a big rival. And I say that's probably true across board for all sports, but because the conference kind of flipped on large and small, um, mm -hmm. Duchenne's on the opposite side of our conference now, so we don't play them. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. But I know in, in other sports, yeah, if you ask who's a rival to Duchenne, a lot of times people will say Borgia. So I would say between those two schools are, are huge rivalries for all sports. Nice. Well, you mentioned split back veer, wishbone, zone. You're doing some RPOs, some motion, some shifting, some trading. So it's question time, Coach. Okay. JR and I contend that there are only three ways to run the football. You can run them inside the tackle. You can run it outside the tackle. Get my screen here. Outside the tackles. Or you can have option, which is both inside and outside the tackles. We contend this because when we were doing some defensive work for several years in we got pretty good at it. Um, yeah. Teams were either inside run team, outside run teams, or they optioned and they tried to give you an inside and an outside component. So we put this question out on Twitter. Do you believe there, there are only three ways to run the football, inside, outside, or option? And lo and behold, the poll came back, no. Most people said no. no. So we said, get on, tell us why. And since then, I've made it a point to ask, damn near every guest that we've had do you believe that there's only three ways to run the football inside outside an option and jr every guest has agreed with us so far every guest so far has agreed with so us. far now, that doesn't that doesn't put pressure on you coach i mean you've been doing this a long time yeah. you can answer however you want but if you say no i'm going to ask you to defend it to defend your answers so inside outside or option is there another way 
So I see what you're saying with that. I'd classify it a little bit different. I'm on, I'm close on the same page with you as a defensive guy, because my background is actually defensive. You saw on her resume that everything's been defense through it is I actually classify everything into four flows. Okay. Not three types of runs. Right. So I'd classify it as a hard flow, which you call it inside run, a fast flow, which would be your outside run, mm-hmm. a split flow, which flow. would be an option run, and then a counter flow. Counter flow. Right. Okay. So and when I'm looking at one flow on the other side, that's how we classify our defense. Our defense reads only know those four flows. So the biggest thing we we preach on defense uh, from a schematic standpoint is being just perfect on run fits and everybody know the other 11 parts on moving the moving parts on run fits in our defense and they're very very rigid and strict and uh they should tell you to sleep and i'll get off on a ring i'm gonna tell you right now uh, when i get talking run run fits with our defense <laughs> i can all decide and tell them oh, i can't wait to go home tell my wife about run fits so i can sleep on the couch tonight <laughs> uh, and so it's, it's my favorite thing to discuss probably with anything in football uh, but it all starts with those four flows. If you break everything down by that, something has to fit into one of those four. And, you know, you yeah. line up, but you tell the linebackers line up, and, you, and the, the easiest thing in the world is use a shotgun offense with an offset back. And you just say, what type of flow are you going to – you're about 90% sure you're going to get split flow. Because yeah. in order for it back, to get the ball from quarterback, he's got to what? He's got to cross face, which now gives you split flow. Um, problem, you know, now whether or not to read or they're going to slice or it could happen, but still split flow and find your window. The only other thing, speed option. And literally only two things they can do that on offset. And so our offense is actually a pistol, and that goes back to uh, coaching with Tom Grimaldis at Warsaw for her offense and, and find the benefits of that from a triple option scheme. Because um, I've always been a big option guy, and I was just kind of turned into the RPO part of it um, based off our, our quarterback's abilities and being such a strong passer. Um, but yeah, I, I put it into those four. The only, the only wording I use difference is you call it hard. I call it full. Yeah. So yeah. I call it full flow and that's back from the days of there's a fullback, right? And here he comes right. downhill. So full flash, full, fast, split flow encounter. And JR, I think he still agrees with us. You can only go certain places. It's just yes. a matter of how you're going to get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Coach, like you have you have been oh, hold, hold hold on for a second. Okay. Stop. What hold what? Oh, okay. Sorry. I, my I'm, my high school kid was just talking to me, and he wrote me a note on my whiteboard that said, "Hey, this coach." And I'm reading it. Coach gave me, and I'm like is this one of the dudes he's been talking to for a college coach or something? And I'm like, Whoa, wait, this is going to be a big, a big announcement. But anyway, I see it is cool what he got. It is cool, but it's not that. Okay. Well, back on track. Okay. Coach, you've been, you've been it for about 45 minutes and tag is the oldest game that we play. If you'd like to continue to play the game, you got to tag somebody else to be it. If they are on our list of secret tag members, money to your charity and their charity of choice. It isn't going to be a lot of money because JR and I pay for all the bills as this goes. Um, And we're also going to send you this pretty awesome shirt. It's very comfortable. You can wear it out to practice. Shoot a picture of you wearing it out to practice. Or if you just want to give it to somebody else, that's up to you. So tag is the oldest game. If you want to be it, you could say it, but... I would recommend you tag somebody. So who would you like to tag? If I was going to tag a coach, that would be a great guest for your show. 
I would probably tag Shannon Turley, who is the head strength and conditioning coach at Stanford University. Wow. And wow. Shannon Turley. So I'll give a little background on how good Mizzou's strength staff was, uh, with the exception of me dragging them down uh, my little internal order. <laughs> but how good the, the staff was whenever I was there and why it was such a great opportunity. So we had Dr. Ivy, who I believe was the 2012 um, strength and conditioning coach of the year by Football Scoop. Okay, he was our head strength coach. Then we had Shannon Turley on that staff. Shannon Turley then went to uh, University of San Diego to coach under Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh went to Stanford. He brought Shannon along. Shannon then was the 2012, I believe, or 13, somewhere around there, um, strength and conditioning coach year. And then also on that staff was a GA, who then became an assistant strength coach for us, was Kaz Kazadi, who went to Baylor and was a big key in Baylor's big turnaround under Bryles. And so he was the next. So three in a row, Turley, Kazadi, and Ivy were national head strength and condition coaches of the year. And all three of them were on that staff uh, that I got to work with in 2004 to 2005. And Shannon Turley has done some unbelievable stuff uh, with exercise science. And and you can read articles about guys preparing for NFL draft. And the way he trains linemen is unique. You know, the focus on the bench press reps and stuff that everybody's obsessed with. He's like the exact opposite side of that. Um, and so he could bring some really interesting perspective, especially working with not only high-level athletes at Stanford and a great winning program, but the type of athletes that you're coaching at Stanford, too. Wow. Wow. I, thanks. <laughs> That's yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get in touch with you off air to find out, uh, find out where, should, where we should send a check. So your yeah. charity and his, it'll get some we gotcha. cash. We got gotcha. you. Um, yeah amazing wow very cool one final comment here i didn't realize this i've been given a company free advertising for the entire episode you have been coach markway yeah don't know if you need an end zone system but over my other shoulder it's back other shoulder over my shoulder here hd end zone cam is the best end zone system you could ever buy ever it is unbelievable. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get a hold of them and be like, hey, I just gave you free advertising. You wanna, you you wanna give us a little bit of money? But yeah, right. it's, it's exactly. awesome. It, that thing is virtually waterproof. So when everybody's taking all their stuff down, we don't have to do it. It's awesome. It's good stuff. Coach Markway, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for letting me pester you all the time. He always responds back, JR. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) Thanks for getting on here. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for inspiring so many people at St. Dominic. Uh, If I'm ever down that way, I'm going to stop by that bakery over there in O'Fallon and bring you over some heaven-sent bakery or whatever. (laughs) Bring you something over for you and those three girls of yours. Thank you very much for what you do for all of the state football committee with football coaches and programs with the advisory committee. Thank you for being you. Good luck to St. Dominic this year. If I had my guess, JR, I could say that I'm fairly certain with a good educated guess that St. Dominic is going to be perfectly fine Yeah. for now and for the foreseeable future. God be with you, my friend, for Thank process you, preparation guys. and performance. That's Coach Markway. On the bottom, I'm Coach Duke. He's J.R. Simmons. Thanks a lot. Have a good night.